0: We are starting a brand new series called Countercultural mission and specifically today. We're going to talk about how we are called to stand on holy ground through this last year. We have walked through all types of different subjects when it comes to resilient discipleship now this uh, this one in particular can be very tricky, but we encourage you once again to listen to love and to be willing to be led through this subject. Let's set the parameters this morning for countercultural mission. It'll be on the screens here. Countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and by living differently from cultural norms. I'll read that again. Countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. Can I encourage you today that we are not supposed to look the same? Come on. Come on. It's okay if people walk into our midst and like, oh, this is a little different. Yeah, it should be. Because we are enveloped here today in the presence and power of Christ. We are completely dedicated this morning to giving him the rightful honor and praise and worship that he deserves. Each and every one of us this morning, we come in and say, God, today, not me, but you. We dedicated children today at their very young age saying, God, look after them. We are committing, Lord Jesus, to live in a way that will faithfully point these young lives to you. In everything that we do, we want Christ to be the center. Because being a Christian really isn't that hard. I mean, it's impossible. But it's not that hard. I, I often would say this to the young people, like, if anybody has told you that being a Christian isn't hard, like, they lied. I'm sorry. Because it's impossible without God. Without God at the center of our lives, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we are so liable to give in to our own desires. Each and every one of us can find it easy in those moments to selfishly step into places that we're not supposed to step. In fact, denying yourself is something that, especially here in North America, we don't enjoy that much. It's not that fun to continually put the chocolate down. It's not that great to step into a situation where you know that you've done something that you shouldn't do, and instead of trying to cover it up, You admit your lack so that in that relationship can be restored. It's difficult to step into situations where we see other people as they're just trudging through the mud and and the filth, and instead, for us of jotting it down and making notes of who we're gonna tell that to later, for us as Christians, we're called to step in with them, to extend a hand. We're not a people of gossip, we're not a people of lies. We're a people of self-reliance on God and God alone. Because this is what he's called us to in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray this morning. God, I ask for each and every one of us today. God, make that narrow gate so visible to us. Give us the courage and the compassion to step through that narrow gate, to stay on the narrow path time and time again. And though, Lord Jesus, those around us who don't know you, though the wave of pressure may come, Lord God, may we stand on solid ground, built on the foundation of your word, just as Sarah has encouraged us this morning. God, let our feet be planted. May we drink from the living water that's available to us by you. And Lord, may we look a little different. May we look a little different. So that we, as we invest interest in other people's lives, that they would be interested in the one who feeds ours. And so we ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen. We are called to enter by the narrow gate. A gate that is wide and is easy but leads to destruction. It seems to be that that's where our culture wants to run. But we are called to look and to walk differently. To live in a counter-cultural mission called by God to look at our fears and our struggles and face them head on with the support of our Savior. I don't know what your struggle is, but as I get the honor to do, let me express mine for the world to know. Thank you, God. So my biggest struggle is heights. Listen, I know I'm made to soar on wings like eagles. I just don't like it up there, all right? It's Whew, it's scary. Like I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but when I'm watching a movie and you know when the hero like is running towards the edge of a cliff and goes over and he's holding on or she's holding on by her fingertips and the camera pans over so that you can see every time my stomach drops out. Like, why would you do that? I can't eat. I can't stand even looking at that. But one of the things that, that, that I still struggle with, I don't know why, I don't know why I find it so difficult to just let my fear take over, but I hate losing to my fear. Anybody else have that? Where you're like, maybe you're afraid of the dark, but you turn the lights off, and you're like, good for you. Like, good for you, well done, right? I, I just, I don't like being conquered by my fear, and one of the easiest ways for me to conquer that fear is when my wife gets the great idea that we're going to confront it together. I don't know what it is about Cassie, uh, but there's probably the yelling and the screaming that she enjoys as it takes place. But time and time again, she invites the both of us into these areas where we get to confront heights together. And so I'm here to tell you that even though I hate heights, I have parachuted out of a plane. And I've never been so scared in my life. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and I've also, I don't know why, but anytime we go to an amusement park, Cassie always finds the one that has the most destifying drop. There was a, a period of three days where we went to an amusement park, and every day at 7 a.m., Cassie lined us up for this crazy roller coaster where you would be, like, just flat against your back as it tick, tick, tick. And I would be crying the entire time. I would look over to my loving wife, and she was smiling. I don't know if she was enjoying the ride as much as she was enjoying what was happening beside her. And so, but there's something about this struggle with heights where I know that it is in, I know that it's there and I feel it every single time, but there's also something in me that says I don't want this to hold me back from what it is that, that, that may be at the other end of this challenge. For example, when I fell out of a plane, well, really was pushed, I don't know if you've ever had this great experience before, but when you you go parachuting out of a plane because they don't trust you, uh, you get to go tandem with someone that's done it before, and so um, as the door to the plane lifted up, and the person who was attached to my back began to push me down the bench toward the, I was like, what are you, like settle down, like we'll get there, like there's nowhere else, anyway, so. He was keeping us in time, and I remember the person in front of us that went, and then all of a sudden, I'm standing in the doorway, and I realized very quickly, not putting it all together at the time, but as they're instructing you of what to do, they tell you, you know, hold your harnesses. Like, this is where you're to hold, and so I'm standing in the doorway of the plane, holding my harnesses, realizing, I don't want to hold, I want to hold the plane. (laughs) Like, why am I holding the harnesses? And I looked to my left and my right, and the instructor behind me, he's holding the plane. He said, are you ready? I said, No. Like, don't do this. And he threw us out of the plane. But there's something in that struggle with heights where I've come time and time again that as I approach this struggle, as I approach this area that's difficult for me, if I can force my way through, if I can just just get that inside of me to not allow it to stop, there is so much at the other end. There was such a beauty of, of, of being able to just be lowered slowly back towards earth and just, you know, praying, God, let it come quicker. After that initial drop in, in a roller coaster, I do quite enjoy the thrill and excitement of, of, of engaging with the rest of it. And church, I want to encourage you that in your life, the places where God is calling you, though it may be completely out of your comfort zone, though it may look completely different than what everybody else around you is, is doing, If God has called you to that place, you can trust him that what is on the other side of that fear is worth it. That what is on the other side of that fear is glory to the Father that you get to experience as his vessel. But this is the tricky element. See, it'd be easy for us if it was just heights that we were afraid of. Or if it was just one thing that we were being called into. Or if God just gave us one challenge and then just let us coast for the rest of the way. But that's not the way it is. See, there are many calls in our life beyond just the singular call. As we've just come out of engaged purpose and we're trying to wrestle through what it is that God is calling us into. I want to encourage you that as you lock into that call, be ready for the next one. Because life with God is an adventure. One of my favorite things about Christianity is that it never gets old. Not a single one of us have figured it all out. And if you're in this room and you want to figure it all out, then engage with Jesus, because you will learn more, you will, you will grow more, but you will never, ever, ever reach the end until we see Him face to face. This is an adventure that we've been called into. Pastor Jason from Orleans, who will be with us actually speaking here next week, which I'm so excited for, uh, pointed me to this, cro- this quote from R.C. Sproul. It says this, Our ears are assaulted daily by a cacophony of sounds. And this makes it difficult at times to distinguish between a bona fide call and senseless noise. See, in this countercultural mission, as we are trying to, to sort out where it is that God wants us to stand and what it is that he wants us to do, we also have to wrestle through the fact that other people have plans for your lives too. And to be able to focus in on where it is that God is calling us over every other pull in our lives, over every other encouragement in our lives, over everything else in our lives that may seem good, but isn't God. These things nowadays come in all sorts of different ways, paper and digital, personal and impersonal. But our desire is to find God in the middle of it. R.C. Sproul continues this, he says this, "How How impoverished would we be if Jonah had made it to Tarshish? If Paul had refused to speak? If Jeremiah had really turned in his prophet's card? Or if Jesus had politely declined the cup that was offered? Think about it. What will be the tab of spiritual losses if we do not respond to God's call? And so today we are an amazing assortment, aren't we? I love the diversity. You'll hear me talk about it awesome because I love Ottawa for the fact that it is joining us together. And today, each and every one of us are in this room, maybe in your 20s and 30s, and you're trying to zero in on that primary call in your life that is to be with God and and how to match that with your secondary call of what it is that God is inviting you to do. Maybe in your 40s and 30s, and, and, and you're fully engaged in both of those calls, and God is calling you into that next thing. Or maybe you're here today in your 60s and 70s, and God is beginning to challenge you of how in all wisdom, you will properly hand off what it is that God has entrusted you with. Woo! All of those things are important, and each stage of life is profoundly different. But while we are living in this countercultural mission, our deepest desire is to find a way to lean and trust in God for His transforming power to help us overcome those hurdles and those fears that keep us from experiencing what it is that God has for us. This morning, I want to take a look at the life of Moses. A particular instance in the life of Moses, actually, because there's so much in this one individual's life that we could uh, just talk about from beginning to end. We could spend time today sharing about his disobedience to God as he spoke instead of struck. Uh, he he struck when he should have spoke. We could talk about how he began learning how to lead differently while he was in the wilderness. We could talk about the disappointments that Moses would have faced as as God gave him the Ten Commandments and how these amazing moments with God need to be shared with those around us. We could talk about his cleft in the rock experience with God, or we could look deeply at the confrontations that he had with Pharaoh. We could also pause and see his insecurities, how he had a murmur and, and a stammer, and how could God invite someone like that? To be the public order for each and every part of, of the mission that Moses was called into. But I believe today as we challenge each and every one of us to look a little different. I want us to look at the moment. This intersection of Moses' life in Midian. Where God stepped in. And drew his attention. In Exodus 3, 1-6. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then the Lord said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look, to look at God. Of all that God is about to do in the life of Moses, this is the moment. This is the time, the one place where each and every one of us need clarity. This is the time in verses 3 and 4, the place where Moses turns aside and God sees him turn aside. How Moses' story might have been different if he had seen the burning bush and said, No, thank you. I'll stick with the sheep. But instead, Moses sees what it is that God is doing and says, hey, I am going to present myself. I'm going to make myself available, even though there are other responsibilities that I have in this moment. God, I see you, and I'm coming. Just as Cassie encouraged us last week, that as the Holy Spirit challenges our heart to respond, Lord, I see you, and I'm coming. Because as we respond, let us not also make small the fact that God sees that act. And so church, where is God at work this season? And where is he asking you to turn aside to see? Think of all that is about to transpire in the life of Moses. But this defining moment is what changes everything. The fact that he is willing to pause in his day and approach what it is that the Lord is doing. It dramatically transforms his day from ordinary to holy. In a world that's so very noisy, in a season with our life that is filled with so many calls, in a time where looking back at failures and dreaming ahead of new possibilities, we are called to learn from one another. I love Glenn's testimony this morning as he challenges us in the marketplace to not just see it as a job, but to see it as an opportunity. Church, this morning as we're here together, to not just see this as something that we do each and every Sunday, but to see this as an opportunity for God to speak, to meet us exactly where we are. I believe in this room, God is calling. That he wants to turn your everyday ordinary into a holy ground moment, myself I've experienced one of these moments at eighteen years of age, I was not living a lifestyle that my parents had encouraged for me. I was not living a lifestyle that the God who I knew was real but had no interest and follow at the time, was calling me into. See was I was in grade seven, a lot of things happened in my life to One of the reasons why I believe that I carry a heavy passion for that age group and was able to be with them for 12 years in ministry was that uh, it was actually in grade 7 at the age of 12 that I chose and decided that I was not going to follow Jesus. Things that happened to my grandmother and other things that were taking place in my life and at 12 years of age I made a decision that set my life on a radically different path than what my parents had for me and a radically different path than where it was that God was calling me to turn aside. In grade seven, if I could return to that moment, I know that there would be times, there would be burning bush moments where God was trying to catch my attention, but instead I chose myself. And it led me through grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, grade 11, grade 12, into some of the darkest moments of my life. Moments where I questioned whether or not I should be here. Moments where I tried to drag others into the darkness that I was experiencing. In grade 13, which was optional for many but not for me, I had to return to high school to finish one more class. In the midst of all of this darkness that I was experiencing, my dad had extended this one olive branch to me. On a Sunday morning, I had made my mom cry as she was trying to get us to church. My dad had already left because he was the pastor and he needed to be there early. And so when my dad got home, this was in grade 11, he pulled me outside and said, we're going to talk. I was like, thank goodness, because I didn't know what was about to happen. He said, there will not be another day where you make your mom cry before we go to church on Sunday. And if I hear that that happens again, you can pick your favorite pair of underwear, and that's what you get to leave with. Excuse me? What about all my stuff? Oh, that's not your stuff. That's my stuff that I'm letting you use. I was like, okay, wow, this is a serious conversation. My whole life was just flashed before my eyes in that moment, but even though I wasn't living for God, even though my vision was dark, I was at least wise enough to understand that the parents that my, that God had given me, that they had provided much, and so even though I wasn't following God through high school, I was attending church each and every Sunday. At 18 years of age on Palm Sunday, I found myself at the back of my father's church as uh, I was planning how I was going to get away from them that afternoon to fulfill all of the requirements that I needed to fulfill that day. And a lady stood up, about 86 years of age, right in the front row. I was way back, like where the sound booth is. Hello, online people. This lady stands up and begins to give a word from God. And I don't know what everybody else in the room was hearing, but I heard God read my mail for everybody in the room. God began to list in order questions that I had asked him as I was walking home, not three nights prior, just screaming at the stars, wondering where God was and how he could let these things happen and so on and so on. And I had completely forgotten about those questions until this elderly lady in our congregation stood up and began to share on behalf of God. And in that moment, I knew that God saw me. At the end of her message, she said, I've done all of these things for you. God was showing me over and over and over again, where even though I didn't know he was there, he was. I've done all these things for you. Can you not do this one thing for me? And in that moment, God was asking me to, to relinquish my life and give it back. My dad stood up at the front, quieted the worship team, and asked if anybody wanted to give their life to God in response or rededicate, and I ran to the front. Spent three hours in prayer that day. For the first time in my dad's life, he had to wait for me to go home. Any pastors kids in the room, you know, like, that's a victory. That's a good, that's a good time. And I rose from that moment with a smile on my face that every time I think about it, it just returns. I felt joy and love for the first time. But one of the most amazing things in that moment was that I realized that God wasn't waiting for me to be perfect to show up. As Moses was on his journey through the wilderness and, and dealing with his sheep, there were still many things that Moses needed to, to sort out. Even in the conversation that Moses has with the burning bush, he tells God how he's not ready, how he's not prepared, how he has all these things in his life that he hasn't figured out yet. But God sees him. He says, I choose you. I love you. Will you follow me? And church, I believe today that God is extending that same call to you. See, where Moses falls short, where even in my own story, there's this amazing moment of faithfulness, but many, many, many also moments of mistakes. We can look to the life of Jesus because Jesus is faithful forever. In Luke 9:51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, him being Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem though he knew what was coming though even though we see it in the garden and we see it in the garden of gethsemane we see that there's this challenge that's coming and the nlt reads it differently in the same verse it says at the time as the time approached for him to be taken up to to heaven jesus resolutely set out for jerusalem i thank god that fear didn't stop jesus from approaching the cross In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus saying, God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But if it's your will, then God, I will follow. And that's our challenge today. To see God in those moments. To let him catch our attention. To let them change what may seem like an ordinary day and drastically transform it? What if on Monday, what if on Tuesday, as you're going through just another day at work, all of a sudden, one of your co-workers becomes illuminated and you just can't shake that you're supposed to go and talk to them? R.C. Sproul hypothetically asked us earlier, what will the tab of spiritual losses be If you do not respond to God's call, my prayer is that God would fill us full of courage, that He would fill us full of His fire. For we are not the heroes of the gospel, but we do get to play a significant part. The greatest gift that we can live is leading others to that place of holy ground, to letting them see those moments that catch us off guard. Or even as we approach them in conversation or we step out of our comfort zone. Where me we, we may approach that area in trepidation and yet may they see God in fullness. If time permitted, we could go through even more of the stories of, of Jesus found in Psalm 27, 4, Luke 10, 41-42, Luke 18, Philippians 3, 10-13. Each of these scriptures point us to the need, the necessity, and the doing. And all are found in Jesus himself. Dr. Glenn put it this way. It is Jesus whom we desire, Jesus whom we need, Jesus whom we lack, And Jesus we must pursue in every activity of every day. He is the one thing. So where is God trying to catch your attention today? Where are those moments? Where are those moments where we can honestly take a moment and say, God, if this is you, I will not turn from what it is that you're calling me to. And will we trust today that God can meet us in the ordinary and transform it into holy ground. What could our one moment be? I'm gonna close the service today with a crafted prayer. But before I do, I just wanna invite anybody today that's in this place and maybe you haven't surrendered your life to God before. I wanna let you know that he sees you and that he loves you. And that the Easter story of Jesus walking boldly to the cross, willingly staying on the cross and dying for our sins, that's for you as well. Three days later, he was risen from the grave so that we also could experience resurrection life. And each one of us here today, no matter what our sin or our mistakes will have been today, if you'll make yourself available to God, this ordinary Sunday service... Can be holy ground. Come on. A moment that 18 years later you look back and realize the invitation that was extended to you by God. And as that elderly woman stood up and said, On God's behalf, I've done all of this for you, will you not do this one thing for me? One of the most beautiful things about the God that we serve. He's a God who extends the choice. See, because true love doesn't force. True love doesn't shame. True love offers itself freely to be received in open arms and an open heart. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is here in this room ready to extend himself to you, to forgive you and free you of all of your sin. Things that maybe have been chaining you to the ground, maybe for generations in your past, you've seen these things recurring over and over and over again. I want to let you know, Jesus can set you free. And you can experience that resurrection life, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how big that fear may be, Jesus is with you. See, what I didn't realize in that moment as I was looking to my left and my right is this person who was strapped to my back had the parachute, what I didn't realize and what I didn't know until after he had thrown me out of the plane. As he pulled the parachute and we began to slowly descend, I said, I said to him, I said, you get to do this all the time? He said, yeah. And I started to converse and what I found out was is that the person that was strapped to my back, he was ex-military. And he had done descent after descent after descent. This wasn't someone who was just out for a good time on the weekend. This was someone who had done this over and over and over again. And even though I didn't know it, I was in the best hands that I could have been to face that fear. And that's our God. This morning, God is with you. And if you'd like to experience him for the first time, we want to extend that invitation Or maybe you're here today and you need to step back into what it is that God is calling you to. Let this ordinary Sunday in May become holy ground in this place. Can we stand together as I read this prayer? This prayer was crafted by Ted Loder from Gorillas of Grace. I just encourage you to open your hands and place yourself in the position of receiving palms out. Let's pray. Holy One, there's something I wanted to tell you. But there have been errands to run, bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to attend, friends to entertain, washing to do. And I forget what it is I wanted to say to you. And mostly I forget what I'm about or why. Oh God, don't forget me, please. For the sake of Jesus Christ, O Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is forgive me, heal me, increase my courage, please. Renew in me a little love, faith, a sense of confidence, and a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real, and I mattered. And everyone in this room was my sister and brother. What I wanted to ask in my blundering way is, God, don't give up on me. Don't become too sad about me, but laugh with me and try again with me, and I with you too. Amen. God, this morning, it's been a proud privilege to have this work of heart-to-heart together. And I pray this morning that anyone that has made that decision to follow you, maybe for the first time, to surrender in this moment, God that they would write that on a connect card and hand it to someone at the welcome desk or if they came in with someone, may they let them know and Lord, for those who are rededicating this morning saying, God, once again, I place my life into your hands God, give them the courage to face whatever it is that's before them knowing that God, you wouldn't call them into anything that you won't walk with them together Lord Jesus, hand in hand and arm in arm God, you are with us and so, Lord, as we begin to engage the story of multicultural mission or countercultural mission, God, I pray that every Sunday would be holy ground. Not, not one of these moments be ordinary, but totally and completely, Lord, dedicated to you. Lord, we will turn aside. God, we will take time. God, cannot a life center will pause and hear what it is that you have to say. So we make that declaration and commitment together to you, Lord Jesus. Amen.